The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to the Friday Show, everybody. You know, last season, you could have drafted... T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Justin Herbert, Antonio Brown, Melvin Gordon, and Michael Carter with a mid-round pick. But you also could have drafted Ronald Jones, Noah Fant, Robbie Anderson, Odell Beckham, and Trey Sermon with a mid-round pick. So let's make the right decisions in the middle rounds. Heath, are you ready to make good decisions today? It sounds like you are telling me, and this is groundbreaking, that there are both good and bad players available in the mid-rounds. I... Yeah, I do think it's groundbreaking. I think I'd I would like, like little- for I I only presume with this type of intro, like you're setting us up for the research that you've done that tells us what is the difference. Like, how can we tell the difference between a good pick and a bad pick heading into the middle rounds? You, sir, overestimated me. I have done no such research. <laughs> I'm simply pointing out there were a lot of hits and a lot of misses last year. Uh, Dave, are you ready to take a trip down memory lane? I'm always down for a trip toward uh the past okay exciting past this better be a good memory though because i'm in a good mood i don't want to i don't don't bring up jerry judy's name please i predict you know somebody once said it's never yesterday it's never tomorrow it's always today so i just try to be happy right now who said that uh, it was a paraphrase of willie nelson i knew it was going to be willie nelson that's like yeah. your go-to anyway I decided to listen to FFT and Five from a year ago when Dave and I talked about favorite mid-round picks. And oh, this is this is not what I want. I knew but it. I think it's I great knew it. because obviously you did an FFT and Five as a prelude to the Fantasy Football Today hour-long show about mid-round picks. And so your research, you had a choice, and you chose the FFT and Five. <laughs> well, one of them took five <laughs> minutes. Dave gave his favorite mid-round picks. And here's what he said. Oh, this is going to be great. I bet they're awesome. You started off with Chase Edmonds and Leonard Fournette. Pretty good, huh? That's excellent. Then you went on. One out of two ain't bad. All right, let's just stop right there. No, no. Edmonds was a good. good, We're good. Let's talk about the present. That's two out of two. Someone once said uh, yesterday is a thing and tomorrow's (laughs) a thing, but today is now, so be happy. Right now. Hold on. It goes on. Chase Edmonds was a good mid-round pick, by the way. Justin Herbert, you said you liked a lot in the mid-rounds. And Joe Burrow. And then you said you liked Kenyon Drake as a, as a, toward the end of the late-round picks. You said Kenyon Drake. I think yeah. you absolutely nailed it. And I gave the case for James Conner. I was I was uh, enthused uh, about oh, drafting James Conner. Throw that Conner. in there, too. Well, that was the best one of them all. I think Leonard Fournette was the best one of them all. But anyway, uh, it was a good podcast, so the pressure's on to repeat last year. Well done, Dave Richard. Uh, before we get into our mid-round philosophies and mid-round picks, we have a new Heath sigh that Heath dropped 
during our mic check, before Dave even came on, I would say, well, I'm going to play it before I give any adjectives. So, Dave, here you go. Here's the new, the newest Heath sigh. I would call it sultry. That's not a sigh. I would call it sultry. Sultry. That's like a, that's a sound of disapproval. Mm. Disapproval? I don't know. I think that's disapproval. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of approval in there. Mm. I hear that all the time whenever I make a point that Heath is ready to like attack seconds later on FFT. Ooh, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I think he Oh, I know that. I know Mm. I'm a, I speak fluent Heath sigh. Okay. Well, I'm going to throw it. I'm going to add it to the mix. Let's talk mid-round philosophies. Dave, first of all, let's talk mid-round definition. I think we're looking at the beginning of round six, right? After the first 60 picks are off the board. And, you know, from round six through nine-ish, roughly. We cool with that? Yeah, roughly. Six through nine. I, I think we said six through 10 on FFT and five. And I think Dave said six through eight. Right. <laughs> um, which is like, I mean, I told Chris Towers when he turned 30, that he was now middle-aged and he argued with me for a long time, but I told him like the average age of a human's right around um, at lifespans, right around 80. And so you go 10 years on either side, 30 to 50 is middle-aged. That, um, no, that, he, he didn't quite like that. But I think our wrong. drafts are 15 <laughs> rounds. So right about seven and a half would be the middle of the draft. I went two and a half rounds on either side for five through 10, but you could make it six through nine or whatever. All right, we're gonna stick with six, six through nine, uh, and and I'm officially depressed. Forty-five year old. We're not middle aged. If you're forty, we're you're one hundred percent middle aged. In fact, Dave and I are almost certainly over halfway done. <laughs> well, you're gonna be getting discounts on things soon, so that's good. All right, Dave, uh, give me your mid round philosophies. <laughs> Dave, what do you got? Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking about the rest of my life and the decisions <laughs> I've made. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm ready to start talking about <laughs> mid-round picks and drafts that don't matter for three more months at least. What a show. Did, did, I, did I really have to eat that second pizza <laughs> in ninth grade? You have time to change, Dave. You've time. You still have the you still have less that than half of your life so ahead hard. of you. Yeah, oh, I know. Okay. So, the one thing that we always talk about is the dead zone with running backs and I, I think that when you're drafting in round 6 through 8, especially this year, you shouldn't expect to find a lot of running backs that you can confidently start. You can find running backs that are worth that that you could consider number 3 running backs or premium stashes. I'm thinking of like AJ Dillon here as someone who could be they could fall into an amazing situation. Lottery ticket. We've used that term before. These are the best kinds of lottery tickets in round six through eight. But if you start your draft with a bunch of wide receivers, you take a stud tight end, you splurge a quarterback, maybe you only get one running back, man, round six through eight, you are not going to be happy with the types of runners that are there if you're looking for a starter. But is that exactly the opposite of what I said about round six on a previous show? Was it was it around five, maybe? Well, that's what I think it is this year. I'm not saying that this is annual advice. Oh, well, no. I mean, look, like round six is. has round I six mean, may have Damian Harris, AJ Dillon, Ken Walker in it. That's not so bad. Michael Carter. Right. Nah, he, I don't well, want him. Never mind. Last year, I mean, we were just talking about the guys that you guys right. nailed Leonard Fournette, James Conner. Um, 
That might have been it. Chase, Adam, no, Chase, Edmonds, Chase Edmonds a hit. It was I a don't. good. It was a good late round pick. It wasn't a league winning pick. Mid round pick. We're doing sorry. It was a good mid round pick. It was a solid pick. So, but what were they when we were picking them in the mid rounds? Fournette was figuring to be in a timeshare with Ronald Jones. We had been told from a good source that Ronald Jones had the leg up in that competition, and James Conner definitely felt like the one B to Chase Edmonds one A. And he didn't really take off until it was clear that Chase Edmonds was not as big a part of that offense as we thought that he'd be. And he still was good for PPR, Edmonds was. Yeah, it was a productive backfield. No, Okay, so so we're hunting for, for what, quarterbacks? I mean, that's a, it's a great I mean, that's That goes without saying. Yeah. Like, when you get to the middle rounds, I hope you need a quarterback. And I hope you're drafting with people who... Even if they, even if half your league rushes to take quarterbacks, you're still going to have your pick of the litter from, you know, QB six through fifteen to put on your roster, and you should be able to find somebody that you love in round six through eight. But you should only take that quarterback if there isn't a player you love at another position along the way. I'm looking at those players first and foremost. A lot of receivers that I like in this range. Yeah, I think this is the prime receiver range. But like the other thing I would say is this is not where I want to get my tight end. I've I've come up with a new tight end <laughs> strategy for 2022, and I think it might catch on. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if you guys are saying it next year. But uh, late or great, like I want to get one of the first <laughs> couple of guys, or I'm going to wait until the very end of the draft. I don't want to be using these mid round picks on tight ends. Now, did you? say late or great on purpose because it's great or late you switched well it i just came up with it adam so i think i know what it is <laughs> it's, it's late or great right I, I i came up with great or late heath gives credit to someone else every time he brings it up but uh there was one guy though that dave had in his in his uh, i asked you guys for some names of your favorite mid-round picks right now and dave said dalton schultz does dalton schultz break that mold i mean for dave i guess it would for heath would you yes. be would you take well, a late a mid-round pick pardon me on dalton schultz i think if you look at like what he did last year or what the guys in that range do you're maybe looking at a 12 point per game kind of guy right um 12 12 and a half fantasy points per game is the type of tight end the tj hawkinson type that you'll find in that range and the problem i have with that is there's a 10 point per game guy available on the waiver wire most weeks there uh, and that's right around tight end 13 or 14 we always say like if you if you don't have if you if you're streaming tight end you're going to get right in that 10 fantasy points per game range in those same rounds are wide receivers that i have projected at at 15 points per game at three four five points better per game than what you can get in round 10 11 or 12 at the wide receiver position so i i like dalton schultz i think he's going to be a good starter and a fine middle of the road tight end in fantasy but i don't think the difference between him and the tight ends available in the double digit rounds is as big as the difference between brandon cooks and Juju and guys like that, and the wide receiver receivers that are available in rounds 11, 12, 13. The one thing that I'll push back on is that finding a 10-point PPR tight end off the waiver wire each week, we talk like it's an easy thing to do. It's easier to find that at wide receiver than it is at tight end. I feel like if you're streaming tight ends, you're you're hoping to get like eight PPR points 
out of your guy. So there'll be a point this season where you pick up Gerald Everett off the waiver wire because it's the Chargers, high-scoring offense. He's new there. You're going to hope that he scores a touchdown or, or maybe gets you four for 40. I think Schultz is going to be better than that most weeks. In fact, last year, he had at least five catches in 10 of 17 games. And in the other seven games, he still got you at least 10 PPR points. Uh, looks like two times. He had some duds in there. There's no question about it. But I think he gives you enough of an edge that where taking him in the mid rounds will will feel okay. You're not getting the, you know, the power of a Travis Kelsey, but you're not spending the pick of a Travis Kelsey, and you're getting somebody who should outperform a late round tight end without necessarily having to spend, you know, the late round pick. You're taking him a little bit earlier. I think the value's fair if you're getting Schultz somewhere between six or eight. I think there's a potential for a lot better than what we saw from Schultz, and he was the number five tight end in fantasy per game. He was number four for the season in non-PPR, number three in full PPR, but we haven't really said, I mean, there's no Amari Cooper. That's a huge deal. Whenever he got targeted, whenever he had five or more targets, he did well, basically. Um, now, he didn't he didn't get a ton of targets really until late in the season. He started to get like eight, nine, but usually he was capped out at eight. I think there may have been a nine or 10 target game in there. But Schultz, you know, without Amari Cooper... Again, well, I keep bringing it up. Goddard gets A.J. Brown. Hawkinson gets Jamison Williams and the emergence of Amonra St. Brown the way he did at the end of last year. And D.J. Chark. And, and D.J. Chark. That's that's not nothing. He's better than the guys they had on the outside, I think. Um, you know, what, what else am I missing here? Alberto, obviously. But, the, oh, Zach, Zach Ertz. Well, there's no Hopkins for six games, but Zach Ertz gets Marquise Brown uh, and, and Trey McBride. Schultz has clearly not been affected by who the Cowboys have brought in. He has benefited, I think, target-wise from the absence of Amari Cooper, who he was tied with in targets last year for second on the team. Um, I, I guess, and remember, I, when, I, yeah. when Schultz broke out and had that big run, it started in the second half of week one when Gallup got hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you, Adam, and it's probably the first point I should have made. But yeah. the dude gets a lot of targets. He's got a chance to finish first or second on the Cowboys in targets. And you can find him in the middle rounds. He'll be better than the tight end that you take with a late pick. Yeah, and I just wonder if, you know, both are true, right? The philosophy of this is not a great time for tight ends, but maybe Dalton Schultz is the exception. I don't think he feels that way. I think Dave does. Where would you take Dalton Schultz then? I think I have him in round uh, nine. I mean, I, I, would, I would jump on that if I could. Yeah, I have. Um, I would love that. I have Goddard and Schultz both in round nine. That would make me feel better about having to take Metamucil every morning. <laughs> and I also forgot to take my Metamucil this morning. My wife's going to kill me. So, Dave, what round would you take Schultz in? If I really couldn't find anybody that I liked in round six, I would consider it then. I do think that's early. I will admit that it's early. I believe I have him ranked as a round seven pick. I know it's certainly not the same um, finding a top 12 tight end compared to finding a top 12 wide receiver. So I'll just say this, your chances of finding a, I'd say that based on recent trends, your chances of finding a top five tight end late are much better than your chances of finding a top 12 wide receiver. Actually. Um, When you look at top 12 wide receivers over the last four years, there have only been eight drafted after round six and four of them were last year. Uh, Jamar Chase obviously being one of them, Debo Samuel being one of them. I think Jalen Waddle was one of them in full PPR, and there was one more, Hunter Renfro, I believe. Uh, but usually we get one or two a year after round six, so keep that in mind. I mean, the wide receivers might look tempting, but his history says 
once you get past the first 60 picks, or no, first 72 picks, so round six, sorry, you're not going to find a ton of top 12 wide receivers. Whereas tight end, we get so many guys. You got a shot. Yeah, that, that um, each of the past three seasons, three of the top six tight ends uh, were drafted in round 10 or later, including some who weren't drafted at all. Uh, all right, let's take a little break to talk about the schedule for next week. We're going back to three episodes a week, sort of. Let's call it three and a half. We got Monday, rookie debates with a surprise guest. Not going to tell you who it is, but it's a great guest. Tuesday, dynasty talk. We're going to be ranking the rookies. Third, we have a surprise guest then, too? Yeah, uh, yeah. surprise. We don't even know who it is yet. But um, we will have a guest for that show as well. And then Thursday, we're going to do a mock draft recap. And Thursday night going to react to the schedule. The schedule comes out. We'll be crunching the numbers and whatever and looking for matchups, good and bad and whatnot, and talking about the schedule for a bit. That's Thursday night. So three and a half episodes. We'll call it four next week. News and notes. Pete Carroll says he does not see the Seahawks trading for a quarterback. He also says he expects the Seahawks to extend DK Metcalf. Heath, what did you make of Pete Carroll's always reliable comments? Yeah, I did not make of them. But I have accepted the fact that my, my projections no longer have a blank for the Seattle Seahawks quarterback. Um, I Drew Locke is uh, locked in, you might say, as QB1 for the Seahawks, which was uh, led to a yet another downgrade for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in my projections. Metcalf now wide receiver 28 Lockett, wide receiver 31. And just for reference, for those of you who were wondering, Drew Locke, uh, I, believe he's, I believe he's quarterback 32. No, 31. Still ahead of Sam Darnold. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, this is discouraging. If, if the Browns cut Baker Mayfield and Seattle signs him, then I would feel a little bit better about DK and Lockett. And I would understand maybe ranking DK a little higher than what projections are just because he possesses the upside he does. But I'm not sure either one of them are going to be top 24 wide receivers this year. Are we sure that it's going to be Drew Locke? It might be Geno Smith. I think it could be Geno Smith. That would not make me feel any better. No, but at least he connected with DK in those four games. There's really three starts. But four yeah. games, if you include coming in against the Rams, it was very DK was very good with Geno Smith in that half game against the Rams. He was great against the Jaguars, as I recall. Terrible against the Steelers and against. And the he had Saints. that big play against the Saints. He had a BS. Should have been offensive pass interference, like ninety-five yard touchdown or something. That was still counted. All of his still got the points. Basically, all of his production. But I think when you look at him, he really wasn't very good with Geno Smith, who averaged one hundred and ninety passing yards per game in three games. Uh, uh, Dave, who would you rather it be for the sake of Metcalf and Lockett, Gino or Locke? Unfortunately, I bet we're going to see both of them. I think it's for the best. I, I, I like that Gino Smith's been there. He's done it for a few games. I just, I do not have a lot of faith in Drew Locke at quarterback. And the, uh, yeah. So one of the things that he mentioned was Pete Carroll said they're not going to trade for a wide receiver, but, or for a quarterback, apologize. But, if Baker Mayfield gets cut, which could happen, he's owed so much money that it's going to be a little bit difficult to trade him, I, then that would change things, obviously. I just, and this is, maybe this won't work. I don't know what Baker really could do about it other than give up his money. But if I was the Browns, 
I would not cut Baker Mayfield until I was told how long Deshaun Watson's suspension is. That's exactly what's going on. If Watson's not going to play the first six weeks of the season, then Baker Mayfield is my week one starter. (laughs) You think Baker Mayfield's cool with that? Because he's pretty pissed off. Okay, don't play and we won't pay you. Yeah, I, yeah I, I guess, but it just seems like such an uncomfortable situation. Or play really well, and maybe somebody who you want to go start for will trade for you to be mm-hmm. a starter. All right, next note, the Chargers sign linebacker Kyle Van Noy. He will now be on his defense. third new team in three years. Yeah, but that's the thing. I don't know how great of a signing that this is. The, the Dolphins. No, he just adds depth for them, but they've, they are great on all three levels of the defense. If they were not in the AFC West, they would be the number one DST for fantasy. It's good. I, I, I almost forced myself to keep them out of the top 10 DSTs because I know that they're playing the chiefs twice, Raiders twice, the Broncos twice. And they're the chargers. So like, they're probably right, half of them will be like hurt by weekend. Three injuries, <laughs> and they're going to give up a 97-yard touchdown pass with three seconds left. It's going to hurt their points and yards. <laughs> uh, Greg Allman of the Athletic thinks it's more likely that Rob Gronkowski returns rather than retires. Ron Rivera compared Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson to D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, a backfield tandem in Carolina. Wow. And let me give you let me give you some numbers on those guys. They played seven seasons together in Carolina, which is that's pretty remarkable, by the way, for two yeah. running backs to be there in tandem and get a lot of carries. Basically, there were some injuries, but for seven straight years. And in those seven seasons, D'Angelo Williams had 1,167 carries in 88 games, and Jonathan Stewart had 1,041 carries, roughly 100 fewer, just, you know, roughly in 90 games, in two more games. So it was a pretty even split. D'Angelo had 41 touchdowns. Stewart had 30 touchdowns. Of course, that this is really more just an interesting factoid. It doesn't mean it's going to be like that, but what I, do you I think? think we need to have a long talk at some point about Antonio Gibson and how we feel about him because there's plenty of debate going on within the industry about whether Brian Robinson should really even impact him, um, whether Washington even sees him as their running back pass this year. Like, there's a, I wouldn't say mixed signals from Washington. The signals have been fairly universally aligned in that we want to have a lot more running backs on the team besides Antonio Gibson. Um, they made went to great lengths to keep J.D. McKissick after he'd already agreed to a deal with the Bills. Um, and then they make this pick after having Brees Hall and Ken Walker both in for top 30 visits, and they didn't didn't have very many draft picks. So I'm I like I said I I dropped Gibson out of my top 20 running backs in both redraft and dynasty. Yeah. I don't know if now's the time, unless he ends up being a mid round pick, (laughs) but yes, you're right. It's a, he's an interesting player. And could you imagine just what the fantasy community would be thinking if they had drafted Brees Hall instead of Brian Robinson? Um, I'm sorry. If they had drafted Isaiah Spiller, they couldn't have taken Brees Hall. If they had drafted Isaiah Spiller instead of Brian, well, they could have, they could have, not not where they took Robinson. Right. So that's what no, I'm saying. Like, I, I think that people have doubts about Brian Robinson. Uh, they probably would have well, yes. been more excited about Spiller than Robinson in that spot. I think that the problem is that like McKissick really caps his receiving upside. And Spiller, that's why I wonder the reason I don't think they went and got Spiller, because I think Spiller may play more of that role. Robinson could take away the touchdowns. And the touchdowns are basically the only thing that separate Antonio Gibson from Clyde Edwards-Alaire over their first two years in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Robinson can catch, too. 
Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, he might you might classify him the same way as Kenneth Walker, whereas you know he doesn't do a ton of it in college. Right. I don't remember exactly how many catches he had, but he can do it. He but if you were going to project a role he's going to play this season, is, wouldn't you think short yardage? That would not be like the role. Short yardage. No, he's gonna he's gonna take work off of Gibson. Could be short yardage, though. Absolutely could be. Okay, uh, sorry. I think Dave was disagreeing with a different part of that. Yeah, so you guys agree. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Dave was agreeing with a different person. That's not on the podcast. <laughs> you guys agree he could definitely, Brian Robinson could get we some agree. short yardage stuff. Yeah, okay. All right, okay, and well, I agree that it's time to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the favorite mid-round picks for Heath and Dave. I'm going to tell Heath why I don't believe uh, in uh, what he's about to tell us about his first three guys on the list. Uh, well, that's and he's going to say, well, it's a fact that it's going to be a weird argument. So anyway, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So the first three guys that Heath mentions in his favorite mid-round picks, I like I said on Fantasy Football Today in 5, I believe that NFC, which is where we're looking, that their ADP data was hacked and is not accurate because I just how is Michael Tom how are Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks mid round picks? It makes no sense to me. They don't go anywhere near there in our drafts. They went in rounds three and four in the draft we did on Tuesday. Juju is the other one. That one I could see. But yes, technically you're right, Heath. The values for Juju Smith Schuster, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Thomas are are great. They are mid round picks. I for some reason I don't feel like I don't feel like Cooks and Thomas will be once we get to draft season, but uh, I don't know what else to say because you are technically right. They are mid-round picks. So it's Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas is the one who I would agree with you doesn't belong here, but he's here, so we should at least mention him because if anybody gets to late round five, early round six, and Michael Thomas is available, they should take him. Um, I don't I don't have... I don't understand why you don't think that Brandon Cooks is going to be available in round six or round seven. Brandon Cooks is always available in round six or round seven. Then he has 1,100 yards and seven or eight touchdowns and finishes as a borderline or mid-range number two wide receiver. And then the next year he's available in round six or round seven again. That's just what Brandon Cooks does. All right. Okay, I could buy it. I could buy it. He's going 74th. So I can buy that. 
And I, I just think like if if this is real, and especially like the Juju one and the Cooks one, if we want to forget about Michael Thomas and just put the little asterisk there saying if he's a mid round pick and you were draft draft him, we all agree on that. I think. Um, but if if I can have Cooks and Juju in the six seven ranges, um, that can really I think make me feel more comfortable taking Kelsey or Andrews at the one two turn. If I could get my number one running back or number one wide receiver and one of the two top tight ends and then just go best player available for a couple of rounds, knowing that I've got my number two and number three wide receiver there at the six, seven turn, or it wouldn't be the six, seven turn, but in round six and round seven, then I feel great about that. That's a great point. All right. I don't know that we need to expand too much on that. Like the opportunities. You still like Juju in round six ish with the addition of Sky Moore? Yeah, I'm not as certain of Sky Moore's role in his first year with the Chiefs. I don't think it's going to be a high-volume one as a rookie. I did not think he – like I, I thought upside-wise, he was very close to that top tier of wide receivers, but he lacks some polish, especially in his route running. He's He can do some things on a low-volume basis where the Chiefs create opportunities for him, maybe some jet sweeps, maybe some flies, like just get him open because teams aren't paying attention. But I don't think there's a scenario where Sky Moore in year one turns into the number one wide receiver beating coverage that's actually paying attention to him. All right, let's we'll get Dave involved here as we talk about our next group of... of Dave might disagree favorite. with me on Sky Moore. That might be a good place, but... Oh, let's well, go I, I, I think right. that between Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, and MVS, and it could be at different points in the year, they're gonna, they're each gonna have a turn being the, you know, a, a fantasy. They're each gonna have a turn being the third option behind Kelsey and Juju, right? Right. That's the whole idea. But they'll have weeks where they're good, and people will gravitate toward them, and then they won't be good anymore, and then they will drop them. So I think all those receivers are you know, close to double digit round material more. You might grab in round nine just because of the hype with him. And I think he's a good player, but if it, it really, it's really going to come down to two factors. One, how well are the chiefs going to run the ball when they decide they want to run the ball and two, how are defenses going to play them and defenses might disrespect more Hardman and MVS and think that they can't beat them deep and they'll play a different type of defense than what they did last year. And then Mahomes will take shots downfield. We kind of want that if we've got who, Patrick Mahomes. Who do you think's not on the field week one? What do you mean? Well, I don't not think, on the field? I don't More. think they're going to play four wide receivers. It's going to be Sky Moore early It's in not going to be right? four. It'll be three wide receivers. Right. You're counting Kelsey as a wide receiver. No, Kelsey's no. a tight end. Right. So it's going to be a running back, Kelsey. Juju's going to be on the field. MVS is going to be on the field with that money. They just. I think down. so, too. And I think Hardman will probably be there. I think well. it's Hardman versus Sky Moore. Well, it's possible that I think if you look at the snap counts for Pringle, Robinson, and Hardman, you right. probably were looking at the three of them were rotating, right? And so okay. it might be a situation like that's my that's and my that's what's going to happen. Pringle sort of you know rose to the top, but yeah, I mean they'll they'll rotate. I don't know what week one will be like, but they have some depth. They'll rotate. But, but I if think you you're, give those names again from last year, yeah, Pringle, Hardman, Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, right. And, you know, throw Josh Gordon in there. He had a couple of opportunities. He's still on the team. No, none of them were ever reliable for fantasy. No. Right. I and mean, you, you might start Hardman in a league where you start four receivers and extra flexes, something like that. 
All right, so listen, you talked about the Chiefs running the ball. So let's talk about three running backs that Heath highlighted here going between 89th overall and 97th overall. Clyde Edwards-Elair, Miles Sanders, and Chase Edmonds. How do you view them, Heath? Clyde Edwards-Elair, Miles Sanders, Chase Edmonds. Um, I like Clyde the best, Edmonds second, and Sanders third in full PPR. Um, but I think they're all way undervalued at this cost. And it kind of, I kind of like what you said about the wide receivers. I feel about these running backs, like they're not really going to be there, are they? But I think (laughs) there's a chance that they are there at the five, six turn or in round six. Um, I don't think they'll be there quite this late. I think there's a chance that this is the best fantasy season of Clyde's career. Um, with Ronald Jones taking some of the early downs work and nobody taking him off the fields on passing downs. Um, if that's what happens right as and as the team's currently constructed that's like maybe they bring daryl williams back and all of a sudden clyde gets squeezed out completely but i think like having spent a first round pick on him you might want to give him one season where you feature him in the way that he was used before you drafted him instead of trying to make him a between the tackles rusher and letting somebody else hand had handle the passing downs so that's what i'm hopeful for I, that's what i'm hopeful for too but i was hopeful for that before the 2020 season. That's why I remember having Edwards Hilaire ranked as high as I did when he was a rookie. There's got to be something there that told the coaches, do not put him in that role. And I don't I, know what it is. I'm I think just, he couldn't pass protect early in his career. Well, and so how did he do pass protecting in the second half of last year? Did he even get a lot of opportunities to do that? I don't know if he did. No clue. And so unless he really improves in that, I I would imagine that he's a candidate to get squeezed. And someone else gets that role. It won't be Ronald Jones. Jones has had that opportunity. Jones is a two-down running back. And if he's good, he's going to take Edwards Hilaire off the field in those two downs. Mm-hmm. I think that Clyde and, and Miles Sanders probably had uh, bigger workloads than, than people might realize before their injuries. So Clyde, in his first four games before he got hurt, he averaged five yards per carry at 58 carries. He was on pace for 246 carries. Not enormous, but it's not bad at all. Uh, Miles Sanders it was really weird. They they weren't possessing the ball. They were getting. They were losing. They were two and five, I think, in their first seven games. They had, right. They, they were throwing so much. So his carries were really low. But he had almost every running back carry. I don't think there's really been a time in the last two seasons where Miles Sanders has not been the lead running back. They just, they just, before they decided to, you know, go all Ravens on us, they just didn't run the ball very much with their running backs. So I, I, you know, he's clearly the best guy in my opinion. And I know he scored zero touchdowns last year, but the other three running backs combined for 12 rushing touchdowns. And 10 of those 12 were after were, were week seven or later. So it's not like, no running back can score a rushing touchdown on Philadelphia. It just was extremely unlucky that Miles Sanders never was that guy. Jalen Hurts is go- definitely going to take some, but that doesn't mean the other guys won't get rushing touchdowns. I think the key will come in out like what does he get to do, if anything, in the passing game? Yeah, and they barely threw to their running backs when they changed their offense, but we expect them to throw the ball more. Um, he's going to have to compete with Gainwell and, and maybe Scott there. I don't know, so... So they're are they top twenty four guys for you? Or are they number three? Clyde is the top twenty four guy. Edmonds and Sanders are just outside. This is full PPR. Um, but I I think Edmonds like I I kind of think Edmonds is just going to be the f- clear best running back in Miami. It could what ha- be. What happens when Mostert gets hurt? Right. That's when Edmonds becomes the clear lead running back in Miami. Although there will be somebody else there. 
Right. That'll t- I think he's a cinch to get all the high-value touches when that happens. Uh, Jalen Hurts was the quarterback that you highlighted, Heath. You have him as QB4. <laughs> so, so, bottom line is there's going to be some quarterback in this range that any fantasy drafter loves. For you, it's Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think um, I I don't expect the same leap that we got from Josh Allen from Stephon Diggs, but I do expect a leap. It's much easier to be an accurate passer when you have wide receivers who have three to four yards of separation because you don't have to be near as accurate. And so I would anticipate a big increase in his passing efficiency, a big increase in his pass attempts. And he's also going to be one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL. He absolutely has QB1 overall upside. Wow. Do you think he has that, Dave? Because I think what you have in 13th on Jalen Hurts? I think I think it's not. I, I have a hard time believing he's got QB1 upside. But does he have QB5 upside? Yeah. I, I think that he's one of many quarterbacks that has QB5 upside. Uh, I'm still, I, I agree that they're going to throw more. How could they not? They, I think they threw the ball 42% of the time from week eight on. Don't it's, it's definitely low and lowest in the NFL from that point on, but they really leaned on the run game and hurts is a part of that. And that's great. You mentioned all the touchdowns that running backs had in Philadelphia, not named miles Sanders. Well, look at the touchdowns hurts had hurts was stealing them from miles Sanders and he'll continue to do that. So that rushing potential is great. The passing upside still worries me, even though they've got A.J. Brown there. And Brown does seem like the exact type of receiver who can help Jalen Hurts pick up more yards. But I'm, I'm, I still have concerns, especially about deep throws, decision-making when that first read isn't open, stuff like that that could lead to Hurts disappointing as a passer, which means he'd have to make up a lot for it as a rusher. Okay, let's go to Dave's guys. So only you talked about Dalton Schultz. Glad we, that was a good discussion we had earlier on in the show. If you want to hear it, and that was in our philosophies section. Anyway, uh, AJ Dillon is one of your running backs, and the other four are wide receivers. So AJ Dillon goes ahead of Clyde and Sanders by about a round and a half, I'd say. He set. Let's see, Clyde is 89th, and yeah, Dillon was 71st overall. End of round six for AJ Dillon. Does that feel like a good time for AJ Dillon? I know it doesn't sound like it's a good time for A.J. Dillon, but that's right around when you should expect to see him. And if you get him in round seven, uh, call it a, a small win. But I've got them back to back to back to back in my PPR rankings. Miles Sanders, Clyde, Chase Edmonds, A.J. Dillon. And if you look at those numbers that the Packers had, their running backs when they were splitting, following the knee injury to Aaron Jones when he came back, Dillon was getting more carries, two more per game. Than Aaron Jones. He wasn't catching the ball as much. He was still getting some targets, but he wasn't catching the ball like Aaron Jones. And the construction of that offense in Green Bay suggests that they will lean on their running backs considerably more than they have in the past without necessarily having to give them uh, an overload of work because there's two really good ones there. So I I think he's one of the best number three running backs that you can draft. It's funny because I have Edmonds, Clyde, and Sanders all ahead of Dylan. They're all going 20 spots after Dylan. And I still agree with Dave that Dylan's a good value where he's going. <laughs> so, yes, I, I think all four of those guys are good values. I, I would take the, the the three I said, which I, I said it first. So, um, <laughs> like, we always have – it's a race to see who gets the email in first and gets to pick the, the best guys. 
But no, I think Dylan's an excellent choice as a mid-round value as well. And listen, if something happened to Aaron Jones, who's a 27-year-old right. running back, and oh, you're and talking about a top five running back, could be a top five running back. Right, but let's or take could all, be a terrible Packers offense. Let's take all. <laughs> let's take all four of those guys, and let's say another running back in the backfield gets hurt. So Ronald Jones, <laughs> pick up Eagles guy. Um, I, Aaron Jones and uh, who am I? Oh, and, and Dylan has the best upside if somebody gets. Hurt. Oh, and Raheem Mostert. Yeah, rank the upsides. Dylan is one. I, to me, it comes down between Sanders and Edwards Elaire. I think I might lean toward Clyde. The problem because thing, I think the Eagles will just find somebody to take some of that work yeah, away from. I kind of feel that way about Edmonds. Clyde though. Edmonds like, should be Derek too. Gore was doing it to Clyde last year. So put Edmonds too. Come on, let's go. Edmonds. I, too. I think it's. I think Edmonds is too. Yeah. Come on, Dave. No. Not ready to do it. <laughs> okay. You know, one of the things I said earlier was that Edmonds would get high value touches. He's barely gotten touches near the goal line in his career. So the, the only thing that would help him out is that he's on a new team. New coaching staff, philosophical differences from what the Cardinals had. Maybe that helps Edmonds get that role if it presented itself. And it probably will because Raheem Mostert isn't staying healthy for 17. Okay, let's talk about four wide receivers here. That could go in the 80-ish range. Adam Thielen's ADP is 86th. Gabriel Davis, 83rd. Alan Lazard and Traylon Burks. I'm not going to get their ADPs because I've been looking at average draft position uh, since April 1st, so obviously Traylon Burks, you know, it's much different now. Uh, but Alan Lazard, Traylon Burks, Gabriel Davis, and Adam Thielen. These are four wide receivers that you like in the mid-rounds, Dave. Uh, break it down. They all have different qualities that I think make them interesting for fantasy, and those qualities are what should make you gravitate toward taking them. Thielen's definitely going to be unpopular. He's old, he gets hurt every year. But the man is a red zone machine for Kirk Cousins, and he'll continue to be that as long as he's healthy in Minnesota. And I think the Vikings offense, we've talked about this already, really since Kevin O'Connell got hired, I think they become a little bit more aggressive. They're certainly going to be a little more innovative, maybe a little less run heavy than they were under Mike Zimmer when he was the head coach. I like Thielen a lot. I think he can still pick up a lot of catches and a lot of touchdowns to go along with it. Traylon Burks, we talked about his opportunity in Tennessee to go and get 120-plus targets. It's a Titans offense that won't throw a lot, but there's still a ton of opportunity there because A.J. Brown no longer on the team. Robert Woods, the number two receiver. He's 30 years old coming off of an ACL. There's questions about how explosive and how available he will be compared to Burks, and there's already the report from ESPN that says that they're going to force-feed Burks it makes sense. He's their Derrick Henry at wide receiver. Gabriel Davis should break out with Buffalo. He's going to be their number two wide receiver. Um, scored a ton of touchdowns in the playoffs. Everybody knows this. He was also very explosive. Before the show, Adam asked me to get the explosive rate for uh, wide receivers last year because he had a feeling about Alan Lazard. Well, Gabriel Davis was number two in explosive catch rate, meaning percentage of his plays that were good for 16 or more yards. Second among wide receivers with at least 40 catches, Gabriel Davis was. He's got room to improve. Coaches have been talking him up. He's going to play a ton. He's a big play machine. I love Gabriel Davis. I think he's absolutely worth taking early in this range. And then there's Lazard, who, yeah, Packers signed Sammy Watkins. We overlook Lazard. They draft two rookie wide receivers. We overlook Lazard. I don't think we need to overlook Lazard anymore. And he was, what was he, Adam? Was he 16th or 19th 
an explosive rate last year. So Dave sent me a link that I could not interpret at all. So I, I forgot Good. to ask you. Yeah, Good. it was it was I, I really couldn't could not understand what I was looking at. So you tell me. Okay. You're 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 an, a non-analytics nerd. And do I have it in front of me because I'm working off of a different computer? I do have it in front of me. Alan Lazard last year was da 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 da. 16th in the NFL with a 21.9 explosive play rate, higher than Devontae Adams. It can't be the only reason why you take Alan Lazard. That's not enough. But you've got to figure his target share goes up because Devontae Adams isn't there anymore. Rodgers is reliable on him. He's a big dude. He's not necessarily... Like, I saw this explosive number, and I kind of went crazy. Yeah, I was surprised. Because he's not a burner by any stretch. But he's put in position to make plays, and I don't think he'll get number one receiver coverage. I think teams are going to try and focus on stopping the run and play action is going to be Alan Lazard's best friend, especially in the red zone because of his size. He had eight touchdowns last year. Rank them. Rank these four. I'm going to put Gabriel Davis at the top of this list. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Thielen? Am I going to? I'm going to put Thielen at the top of the list. And then I think I'll go Burks and Davis, but they're really close. And if, Maybe if I've got the stones, I'll put Davis ahead of Burks. I probably should because Burks is a rookie. And then Lazard brings up the rear, but I think he might be the best value of them all. Yeah, I'd go Thielen, round break, Gabe, Lazard, round break, Burks. That's almost exactly how they were drafted in the draft we did on Tuesday, but it was Thielen, round break, Davis, Burks, round break, and then Lazard was the last. He went in round nine. Uh, Burks and and Davis went two picks apart in round seven. And Dave Richard had the last pick of round five and the first pick of round six. And we're talking about players who were going to go in the mid-rounds, which we defined as round six through nine-ish. So nice. Dave took Adam Thielen with the last pick of round five instead of the first pick of round six, rendering this entire exercise pointless. Who did you take in the first pick of round six? Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it, everybody knows that like six through nines where you want to get your quarterback. You don't want to reach into the first five rounds <laughs> yeah, for a quarterback. Exactly. If you had taken Herbert 60th overall instead of 61st, it would have been a reach. Yeah, I'd have been disappointed. So, okay. So I, Gabriel Davis, some of my favorite stats. He's had seven. Oh, oh, sorry. He had seven or more targets in two of three games without Emmanuel Sanders and eight targets in a game that Sanders left early with an injury. So if you want to use your stat that, four games that Sanders left early with an injury or didn't play at all, Gabriel Davis had seven or more targets. And that's a huge deal. This is a guy who's had three or fewer targets in half of his NFL games, half of his regular season NFL games. His touchdown rate is also one of the most, it's got to be the, is it the highest in football, Heath? Touchdowns per target? Well, I doubt it was high. like what was his touchdowns per target last year? He had 63 targets and six touchdowns. No, there were players who were over 10% last year. Okay. He had um, seven touchdowns on 62 targets as a rookie. And oh, career. Yeah, well, be. yeah. I mean, it's it's up there. He's had what he's had basically almost any time he gets four or more targets. Sixteen games with four or more targets, he's had eleven touchdowns in those games. It's, it's crazy. Just I would anticipate his touchdown rate is going to go down this year if he has the success we're hoping for. Yeah, yeah, but m- many more targets. Which sound maybe sound like it's a weird thing to say, but it's true. All right, it's uh, also a mailbag day today, so let's get into Good. that. 
We got Apple Podcast questions. We got some emails. Start with Apple Podcast. Stefiki. Give up Tyreek Hill. Get DeAndre Hopkins and a 2023 first-round rookie pick. I don't think it's enough for Hill. I um I've really downgraded DeAndre Hopkins because he's sure. an older wide receiver who also now is not going to be great for you this year. But the difference between Hill and Hopkins for me is smaller than what I would project for a 2023 first. I, I think what would probably deter- determine this for me is looking at that other person's roster. And if I think they're one of the three or four best teams in the league, I, prob- I probably wouldn't do this deal. If I don't, I would. I'm starting to assume that the people who are willing to give up first-round picks next year are people who have a really good dynasty roster. And they're looking to make that one trade to put them over the top. If all fantasy managers were competent, that would be true. (laughs) But... Yeah, I I know two fantasy football managers that are so bad that they can't even tank. They they try to tank and they end up... No, one of them did a great job tanking. (laughs) I don't the other even, one did good enough. I, you know, I've been looking because I think I have five picks in the top 18 of our rookie draft, and 18's right about where I think the cutoff is. So I think it's worked oh, how out convenient. okay. I'm 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 gonna, I'm looking to trade out of number two and try to get a pick in the top seven. That's oh, kind of okay. Now you're trying to trade out of two. I remember when I wanted to. Well, you were offering David Montgomery, and that was when I thought I had a chance of being good this year but then all of my top three wide receivers got worse in the month since then. I don't so, recall offering Montgomery for number two. No, you said, what would you have to give in addition to Montgomery for number two? I said that? Yeah, because I was offering 10 for Montgomery. Yeah, I wasn't going to take that. No. <laughs> okay. You were not. And I was not going to give you two for Montgomery, and I still wouldn't. All right, guys, uh, back to the Apple Podcast yeah. questions. This is from Rob in Ontario. Hey, Willie, Jace, Phil... Uh, Cy and Phil, I think. I don't know who those people are. Thanks for an entertaining show. Okay, I have a strategy question for my 12-team standard scoring dynasty league. One QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex. I have picks 111, 211 in the 2020 rookie-only draft. My roster is Mahomes, Mixon, Jacobs, Dylan, Daryl Henderson, Michelle, Michael Carter, Ramondre Stevenson, Hopkins, Diggs, Cooper, and then Chenault and Chark. Darren Waller is a very good team. I'm considering offering Hopkins and both of this year's picks, 111 and 211, for a 2023 first-rounder. I believe I can compete this year with the players I would still have and would pick up an early pick next year. What are your thoughts? Kind of similar to what we were just talking about Yeah. with uh, the Tyreek trade. But I, I, let's go back to what Heath said. Do is the team that you're trading with going to be good because you give them these picks and player? Or are they going to be mediocre to sucky and you get a really good first That's round a pick? A lot to give up though. Oh, I don't think this is a lot to give up for a first next year. Not at all. I mean, you're probably giving up like George Pickens and Trey McBride and DeAndre Hopkins for a first next year. You think McBride's lasting till late round two? I was just going with where I have him. Wow. Maybe he won't. I love that if that's where you're getting McBride. Um, let's see. Pick number 23, Wandale Robinson. I have Trey McBride at 22. Damn, sniped. Yeah, you were sniped. 
Yeah, I, I always talk about how good the 2023 class looks, but a lot of that is quarterbacks. But uh, so I, I don't know if you don't want to. There's quarterback, plenty. You have there's plenty of receivers and and running backs as well. I would make the offer and hope he accepts. Okay. From Charlie Barron, I have Mahomes. They have Murray and want to trade me straight across. Your opinion? I want to decline or counter to Murray plus a wide receiver running back. So anyway, he has Mahomes, and they have Murray. Which Who would you rather have? And if you say Mahomes, would you then say, all right, fine, throw in a running back or receiver, and we're talking here? Depends on who the running back and receiver is. Yes, I know that. But So give me some. Someone good. It's got to be somebody good. How, well, no, I'm not how, making the deal. How much up. of a difference is there between Murray and Mahomes? I think there's considerable difference because what happens if Kyler Murray and the Cardinals don't have a good year this year? Yeah. Is he on a different team next year? Almost certainly he'll have a different coach next year. So give me a running back or wide receiver that you would take with Murray to give up Mahomes. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't need that much. How about Josh Jacobs? I wouldn't. I mean, I would take Murray and Josh Jacobs for Mahomes. Yes, I don't think it should take that much. I guess. Okay. I guess I would take Jacobs with him because I'm worried about if Jacobs has a bad year this year. Same thing with him. Where does yeah. he end up? They just drafted Zamir White, new coaching staff. They're going to get Jacobs off the books next year. Right. Didn't give him his fifth year option. Okay, emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. I just I think Mahomes is one of the safest players you could have on your fantasy team in Dynasty. That's true. I don't know the name of the emailer here, but he says... It's Bob. Dear Jesse, Mike, Justin, and Tony. Says, hint. They're his best friends. They're That's not a hint. Friends. That's the answer. Okay. But I didn't know if that was like a pop culture reference and they still, he it was like they were his best friend, like they were on Friends or something. I don't know. But no, they're just his best friends. I have a question. That's a lot of best friends, by the way. That's impressive. Four best friends. Is that impressive or is that fraudulent? If you have four best friends, you have no best friends. I think in truth, <laughs> I, I think if, I think Jesse's really his best friend is he listed him first. So, sorry, Mike, Justin, and Tony. You're, you're 1A, B, and C. Or you're 1B, C, and D. I have a question. What year three or year four wide receivers will be considered a bust this year? Like, Judy doesn't do good with Wilson. Is he officially a bust? Okay, so you're asking from, like, a career standpoint and not a redraft standpoint this year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's put up or shut up, basically. And this is Juan. Juan is the emailer, by the way. Judy's the best guess. I think Mooney could be up there. But he was a, yeah, he, I, I, I struggle with that because he was a fifth round pick. He's already done more than you could have rightfully expected when he was drafted. Yeah, but maybe we've seen the best from him. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know what's going to happen because that team's looking ugly. But that was uh, the first name that I thought of. Uh, Christian Kirk. Yeah. What year is he? Is this his fourth year? Oh, it might be his fifth. If he reached free agency, then it's probably his fifth year. Yeah. The three, four thing is kind of a weird designator because there's a lot, of, there's more, I think, year two guys. Uh, maybe Brandon Ayuk. Mm, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. All right. Good job, Heath. You carried, Thanks. Carry the team. You made your two best friends, Adam and Dave, very, very happy, very proud. From Jenna, I'm in a 12 team Superflex tight end premium dynasty league. 
I might be competing, but only with a few tweaks and the usual luck. I just sold David Montgomery for Derek Carr, Superflex. Yep. And now yep. I might take a run at winning. I'm shopping pick 103, and the Gibson manager is interested, but I'm thinking of pairing 103 and DK Metcalf. So pairing it with DK Metcalf and a third round pick to get George Kittle, Hollywood Brown, and 1.9. What do you think about that? She said she was trying to win. 1.3 DK Metcalf and a third round pick for Kittle, Hollywood Brown, and 1.9. So I think 1.9 in Superflex could be a very excellent place to be as long as somebody takes Pickett in the first eight picks because then you're get, getting one of the top eight, and, and I like that a lot. Um, I'm not sure there'll be a, a, an enormous difference between 1.3 and 1.9 in that scenario. Um, but DK's a lot better than Hollywood, and I'd rather have 103 than Kittle. DK's a lot better than Hollywood this year, but you just said that you have not him. Not this year. Right, so year. she, she wants to dynasty. Jenna wants to win. So... You know, but if she's got DK Metcalf in 103, she's still got a squad that can compete. And she can go in with the intention. She can do what I did last year. I went into the year intending to compete. And then I got a little unlucky early on. I said nuts to this. And I started setting terrible lineups and winning. It was weird. I would not trade the 103 for Gibson. Let's let's do that first. No. I would not. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. I bet I, don't, I didn't. Uh... I wonder if we would have said yes. You should have done that six months ago. Well, I think we might have. And I think things were different six months ago. They were. Yeah. All right. So it doesn't sound like you guys are too enthused about this. Um, I like the Kittle idea more because your tight end is where, where you really need help. I'm really not convinced in a twelve-team league you're ready to be making trades to try to win. I mean, all right. She did give her lineup. Let's hear the lineup. Maybe that'll because I I have an idea, an alternative idea. Uh, Dak Prescott, and then she'll either start Derek Carr or, or Daniel Jones. I don't, who would you guys start? Carr. Okay, Carr. Carr. <laughs> but Jones could be in for a pretty decent year. Uh, no. Yeah. Waddle, Metcalf, Amari Cooper. That's excellent. Aaron Jones, Pollard. CEH, Ronald Jones, and no tight end. Ingram and Tunyon. Oh, you know, not good tight ends. I think if you make that trade for Kittle, you're going to get in the playoffs. So yeah. I, guess I think I think you stand pat and hope to get Hall or Walker at 103. I think she has. I was going to suggest maybe offer 103 for Kittle and 109. She has the worst kind of team in Dynasty. It's just it's it's old. It's in no, but it's in the middle. You know, it's right. in the middle. It's not. It's not. A, you're not getting picked one How many? Did you say winning. twelve teams? Yeah, yeah. I bet she's closer to the top than the middle. If if I had this team, I would be probably. I, I just began a teardown of a, of a pretty similar team in the past week. I've traded Devonte or Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, Aaron Jones, and Darren Waller. <laughs> wow! All right, put a pin right. in that because we got to hear about that on another show. I want to know what you got for them. Let's read more emails here. Uh, this is from oh, another one where I don't have. No, I do have it. King Hassan from the largest city west of the Mississippi River, Los Angeles. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be Los Angeles, right? Hey, Chuck, Ed, Kyle, and Baxter. 
Hmm. I don't know, but I feel like I should. I'm stressing out. I'm on the clock in my Dynasty 12-team Superflex PPR league. This email was sent a few days ago, so hopefully he's made the <laughs> Hopefully decision. there's no clock. I have the pick. I have pick five. I'm deciding between Jamison Williams and Malik Willis. Oh, come on. J- just go Jamison Williams. Yep. Jamison Williams. Yeah. All right, from Bobby. Garrett Wilson fell to me at 109. What? What? Excellent. I was offered a 2023 first, a 2023 third, a 2024 second, and a 2020, and he put 2023 third again. It's probably 2024 third. So a first and a third next year and a second and a third in 2024 for Garrett Wilson. The first yes. should be early as his team is not Do competitive. It. Do it? Okay. Do it. Yes. Do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. This is from Andrew. I just want to say that the grunting intro is hilarious and I laugh every time it's brought up. All right, cool. Same. Dear Steve. I went back and watched my uh, my acting. Yeah. To the video yesterday, I nailed it. I got to give myself credit. You <laughs> did. That was I. Good job. Just like you nailed Leonard Fournette and Chase Edmonds last year, Dave. It was a big yeah. show for you. Yeah, I'm just full of goodness. Oh, Chuck Ed Kylan Baxter is last man standing. You ever see that show? Yeah, I have. It was a show that I watched. I was like, this is really funny, and I stopped watching for some reason. A lot of shows like that. Uh, it's got. Uh, I I liked it better before they uh, killed off Al. But um, oh, gee, I thank you for that. I mean, I, what? I didn't know they killed off anyone, and who says I wasn't going to go back and watch it? But you also I, thought that they you killed didn't off. Get the joke. You didn't. Oh no, I didn't get the joke. What was the joke? No. Who's the lead character of Last Man Standing? Will Forte. Is that the same show? No. no. Oh, what's what's Last Man Standing? Tim Allen's on Last Man Standing. Oh, what's the episode? Show. What's the show I'm thinking of where like the world ends and there's only a few people left and one of them is Will Forte? Last Man on Earth. Is that a know. show? I think that YouTube help me out here. <laughs> okay, I think it's called Last Man on Off on Earth. Yeah, yeah, that was what I was thinking of. I'm sorry. With Will Forte. That was really funny. Still a good joke. Okay, well. Was there an email to read or are we yeah, done? Yeah, no, we're done. No, no, there's an email. Dynasty Superflex PPR 12 teams. We start two flex and, and two receipt, whatever. I have pick 104. <laughs> <laughs> what should I do with pick 104? So it is Superflex. And he has <gasps> Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, and Kirk Cousins. He has Swift, Dobbins, Clyde, and Zeke. Jefferson, Chase, Metcalf, Gabe Davis, and Renfro, and Kyle Pitts. Oh, those receivers. He's got a glaring need at quarterback, but a really good team otherwise. I would go running back. Yeah, you're not taking a quarterback just because you need one. Not unless you want to make your problems worse. Yeah. You've got to try to trade this pick and maybe even a first next year for a really good quarterback and go win the damn league. Like, you've got... Swift, Dobbins, Clyde, Elliott, Jefferson, Chase, DK, Pitts. Find a way to get some help at quarterback and go win the league. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good idea. And by the way, we're going to end on a YouTube comment. Greg Harrell says, the last man on earth was great. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much. How would anybody know if he's the last man on earth? Who's who's filming it? There's... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there are a few other people who who sprout up throughout the season. Okay, that's it for today's show. 
and for the week. We'll talk to you on Monday with a special surprise guest. You won't know until the show starts, maybe. For Dave and Heath, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Mother's Day as well, and we'll see you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.